Well, good morning and welcome to Renewal. If we haven't met before, my name is Chris and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm really glad you're here today uh, because we're starting this brand new series called Fast From Feast On. And we're doing this series because we all have things in our life that we want less of, right? Uh, we all do. I do. You know, less anger, maybe, less guilt, less complaining, less complacency. Uh, we want less of that. But all too often, our attempts to remove uh, some of these negative things in our life, uh, they uh fall flat or short-lived. We're able to do it for a period of time, but then we're kind of back into those bad habits. Now, today we're going to talk about fasting, and fasting is one of those things that can help you break through uh, that barrier and actually see real transformational change in your life. Now, spiritual fasting is essentially giving something up, right, for a period of time in order to focus uh, your thoughts and yourself on God. Uh, that's what spiritual fasting is. But there's a principle in the Bible that says you can't only remove a negative thing from your life. You have to replace it with something godly. Like we can't just take something away. We have to replace it with something better. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some biblical principles on how to replace anger, guilt, and jealousy uh, with, from your life and replacing them with peace, freedom, and praise. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have more of those three things uh, but, you know, this series is also about preparing ourselves for Easter Sunday. You know, Easter is only four weeks away, and the resurrection is the most significant event in all of history. It is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, that Jesus was raised from the dead. But the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, all too often we take it for granted. Oh, you know, it's a big day for sure, but it's really more about candy it's more about family and it's more about brunch than it really is about the resurrection of Jesus and the defeat of death so that we can have eternal life. You know, but this year, uh, we want you to be more spiritually prepared for Easter than you ever have been before uh, so that you can experience the hope uh, that Easter brings uh, into our lives um, and into the lives of really everybody, this whole world. So not only that we can be thankful and be in awe of what Jesus accomplished on that day, you know, defeated death, but our church can also be ready to share that hope with those who don't have that hope in their lives, uh, the people in this city. Uh, but today, uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into uh, the theology and this practice of fasting and prayer, and these are two spiritual disciplines that can really take your faith to a whole new level. Uh, they can really break through, you know. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and, uh, but you know you what? Your faith feels a little stale. Uh, you know, you're going through the motions. You think you're doing all the right things, but you really don't feel closer to God. You really don't feel you're growing spiritually, uh, not as much as you'd like to. And, you know, nothing seems to be happening spiritually in your life. You're kind of in this dry period. And you know what? This happens to everybody from time to time. Uh, it's a normal thing, but... You know, you're here and you, you don't feel close to God, but you want to feel close to God. You're not growing spiritually like you like, but you want to, all right? And you might even feel that God is not even there and with you anymore. Well, today's message is for you. So uh, pay careful attention. Take some good notes. You can pull uh, your message notes out right now. But also, you know, if you're here and you're a new Christian or maybe just a, a considering Christianity, you're not yet a Christian, you just want to see what it's all about, you picked a good day to be here too because you're going to hear about some advanced spiritual disciplines 
that can help you draw close to God, that can change your life uh, forever. You know, you're going to get behind the scenes look at kind of what Christians have been doing since the time of Jesus to draw themselves closer to God and to bring real transformational change into their life. Now, some of you here may even be hurting uh, and you're confused and, um, you know, you just want God to show up in your life and you've been waiting for God. God, are you even there? Just show up in my life. I need you. Well, pay attention today because fasting can help you. Uh, if that's where you are. But, you know, we're in the season of Lent, uh, which is the period uh, 40 days leading up to Easter. It begins on uh, Ash Wednesday and goes uh, to Easter. And this has been a period of denial and reflection that Christians have been practicing for a very long time. You know, so maybe you've actually started your Lenten fast. Uh, maybe you've actually broken your Lenten fast already. Well, that's okay. You can start again today. And if you haven't uh, started a Lenten fast, you can start that as well. Uh, but here's the thing. No matter what's going on in your life, uh, today's message can help you draw closer to God. Now, I want to talk about fasting a little bit. Uh, first off, fasting always begins in humility. Okay? It's a private spiritual practice. It's kind of like a, an agreement between you and God. You're going to say, God, I'm going to give up something, something that matters to me. It can't be something that, you know, you don't care about, but I'm going to give up something that matters to me so that I can focus that, my time and my energy on you during this time. And, you know, it's not really about anybody else, right? It's just between you and God. And that's why Jesus calls out those who are fasting, uh, just to look more spiritual. It's the first verse in your notes. It's from Matthew 6, 18. And Jesus says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, that is the only reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now listen, it's okay to share that you're fasting with those close to you. I mean, you, can, you should because uh, they can pray for you. They can help hold you accountable. You know, when I share something uh, about what I'm doing or fasting, I'm trying to exercise. You know what? People come and it's like, how are how, you doing with that? You know, and just knowing that people could ask me at, at any given time how I'm exercising keeps me exercising. Because uh, I don't want to say, well, I haven't exercised in a while. So you can uh, tell people uh, that you trust, but it's not a badge of honor. It's not to show how Christian you are, how pious you are, Jesus says. You know, it's a private agreement. So fasting, really like any Christian discipline, it starts in humility. Like anything, when you think about Christianity, the very first thing you should think about is humility and being humble. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this humility. You know, Jesus, before he began his ministry, uh, he went off to fast on his own. And you may be familiar with this. He didn't tell anyone he was doing it. He just went out and did it. And we see it from on Matthew 4, uh, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Now, if you're familiar with this story, you know that he fasted and the devil tried to tempt him with all the worldly things that he could come up with, and Jesus was able to resist it uh, by quoting back the word of God, uh, because Jesus was perfect. He was not going to fall into temptation. We're uh, not so lucky. Uh, but 
Jesus fasted for a reason, and that brings us to our very first reason, and I want to go through some reasons to fast. And the first one is when I'm in a season of intense preparation. So I can fast when I'm in a season of intense preparation. I mean, Jesus was about to begin his earthly ministry. Uh, He was going to go choose his disciples. He was going to start teaching. Uh, He was going to share the good news. It's a big deal. And so before he began his mission, he needed to get spiritually prepared. Uh, And he went through this period of intense preparation. Now, maybe you're here and you're preparing for something big in your life, too. Uh, maybe a, a job change coming up, a relate, big relationship change, a move, uh, just something big is coming into your life. Uh, fasting can help you be spiritually prepared for that. And so that's the first reason to fast. But also we can fast when I'm confused and need direction. That's another reason to fast. You know, maybe you need to make an important decision and you're stuck, you're at this crossroads and you have two good things and you're just not sure which one to choose. Uh, Fasting can help you connect with God on a deeper level so you can actually hear from God on kind of what direction you should go in. You know, in the early church, they had to send people out into the world. You know, Jesus gave them the mission, go into all nations. And so they had to send people out to uh, teach what Jesus taught to the Gentiles who were the non-Jewish people of the day. But they didn't know who to send. Who were they going to send to do that? And so what they did was uh, they prayed and fasted and God answered them. Acts 13, 2, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. And so when they needed direction, they fasted and prayed and God answered them. But also you fast when you just need a miracle, right? You just need God to show up in a big way in your life. Uh, Maybe it's a health miracle, a financial miracle, a relationship miracle, whatever it is. Fasting can bring you closer to God uh, in that time. So when I need a miracle, another uh, reason to fast is when I struggle with a habitual sin. Uh, You know, we all have those sins in our life that are persistent. Uh, You know, we try to get rid of it. We try to not do it. We try to stop it. And we're maybe successful for a period of time, but we always go back into it. Well, fasting can help you overcome that habitual sin. Fasting can help you start to see God's perspective on what it is that you're actually doing. You're going to look at it in a new way, in a godly way, that can actually empower you to break free of that habit. Then another reason to fast is when I'm overcome with grief. You know, sometimes we just, whether it's a death of someone we love or a loss of a relationship, something we are just overwhelmed with grief and we just don't know how to handle it. Fasting can help us by drawing us closer to God. We can feel God uh, more intimately and feel his presence and his his, uh, comfort when we fast. And then maybe, you know, fasting is just simply I want to be closer to God. (laughs) Like you don't have any really big reason to fast, but you just want your relationship with God to be stronger. And you can do that. You know, maybe you haven't felt close to God in a long time. Maybe there was a time in your life when you were so close to God and you felt his presence every day, and now you're like, I've lost that. Like, I want that back. Well, fasting can help you uh, bring that back and reconnect with God. So whatever reason is that you're fasting, okay, whether you're far from God, need God, need a miracle, or you're preparing for something big, all those reasons, um, fasting can help you connect with God uh, and meet those needs that you bring to God. So when we draw close to God, which fasting does, the Bible says that God draws close to us. 
And this is our memory verse for today. It's from the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8. In fact, let's all read this out loud together with expectation and faith that this is actually true. Uh, Are you guys ready? And go. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. You see, fasting can draw you closer to God, okay? But effective spiritual fasting, here's the thing, it's not automatic. There's nothing magical that happens when you give something up. Okay? You have to replace it with something. You have to focus your attention on God. You have to bring something godly into your life in place of that thing. It has to be intentional. And so for the rest of our time today, uh, we're going to talk about how to draw close to God through fasting uh, and what that means. On the inside of your notes, on the right-hand side, to draw close to God, fast, and the very first thing is to pray diligently. Fast and pray diligently. You know, fasting and prayer go hand in hand, but it's not always the case because you can pray without fasting, you can fast without praying. Uh, But when these two activities are combined, there's real power when we do both of these things together. Uh, It can really jumpstart. It's when they reach their full effectiveness when we do it together. Now, what does it mean to pray diligently? Well, doing something diligently simply means to do it thoroughly and well. It's the opposite of doing something lazily and shoddily. All right. Uh, If you are tireless, if you are persevering, if you do things with great care, then you are doing something diligently. And so we're to pray diligently. But let me ask you, do you pray once for something and then stop praying? Like you don't get it and you just give up on it and move on? Um, Do you pray until, you know, you do you pray until you, you give up or do you pray until Uh, you get it. Like, I am not stopping to pray for this thing until God answers me. I mean, are you that persistent and diligent uh, with your prayers? You know, there are things that I have been praying about for 10 years that haven't happened. I've been praying, and I'm just going to be really honest and open with you, I'm still single. But I've been praying for that not to be the case. All right? But I'm still praying. And here's the thing about that is, here's the blessing that I've gotten uh, in the 10 years I've been praying about this. When I am most lonely, I reach out to God, and you know what? God is always there. I am never really alone. So when I'm lonely and I pray that I don't want to be lonely anymore, God, God says, you're not alone. You're not lonely. You know, so God is answering my prayers Uh, maybe not in the way I expect, and I do believe, you know what, God is going to answer my prayer to not be single anymore when it's the right time. So I keep praying in expectation. I'm not going to give up on that prayer. And so let me ask you, do you believe in your prayers? I mean, do you really believe? Do you believe that God answers prayer? Do you pray until you hear from God and not give up until you do? You know, I think the sad reality is most Christians don't do that. You know, we give up too easily on things. You know, we pray, and then when we don't get it, we move on. And I also think that Christians often pray because they feel it's something they should be doing. They feel it's a duty. And then, you know what? When something's a duty, you know what it becomes? It becomes a burden in our life. And then prayer is not something we actually enjoy. It becomes this burden. And then other people only pray when they're in trouble. And, you know, I heard, I heard this said once, 
if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. You know, and prayer is, is it's simple, right? Because it's really just talking with God. It's just listening to God. It's, it's just being honest with God. There's no special language you have to use. You don't have to sound spiritual or all flowery language. It's just a simple, honest, authentic conversation with God. But I, most, I think people don't really understand the power behind it. Because I think most people use prayer as a cosmic vending machine. You know what? I, I want this. I need that. That's when I pray. And you know what? That's certainly one type of prayer because God does want us to go to him when we need something. He does want us to ask for those things. But that's just one type of prayer. And as people mature in their faith, there are all different kinds of prayers uh, that we can pray. And we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about that now. You know, when Paul was in prison, uh, he sends a letter and asks the church in Colossus to pray diligently for him. Uh, we're going to look at the message version of this verse, to Colossians 4, starting with the verse 2. Paul writes, pray diligently. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Don't forget to pray for us that God will open doors for telling the mystery of Christ even while I'm locked up in this jail. Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. Now, just in this one verse, we see several types of prayer. Right in this one verse, we see several types of prayer. Uh, first, we see a prayer of agreement, or what is known as a corporate prayer. Paul isn't just asking one person to pray for him. He's asking the entire church in Colossus to pray for him. So collectively, there's power in prayer when we all as a church pray together for one thing. And, you know, I'm going to challenge you to do that uh, later on today. But when we come here on Sunday, we pray together, right? But then there's going to be times, uh, like I'm going to ask you in a moment, where we're going to all pray together for the very same things. And there's great power when we all get behind something and go to God with it. It's a prayer of agreement or the corporate prayer. We also say a prayer of thanksgiving in here. Look what it says. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Go ahead and underline that word gratitude. You know, that's a prayer of thanksgiving. Thanking God for everything he's done. Thanking God for all the great things that we have in our lives. Every good thing that we have comes from God. And there's something powerful in thanking God for that. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, we realize in thanking God for what we have we realize that what we're about to ask him, we don't really need. Because <laughs> we may already have it already. And God deserves our thanks. I mean, if you, if you thank God for no other reason, God deserves to be thanked. So start thanking him. You know, there are so many prayers that I think about in retrospect that I'm so glad God did not answer. <laughs> I'm so glad. You know, in fact... I wouldn't be in Boston if God answered a certain prayer. Now, some of you may have wished that God had answered that prayer, and I wasn't here. But the truth is, like, I'm here, and I'm supposed to be here. And so, you know, I'm glad God didn't ask, answer my prayer to do something else. And instead, he answered my prayer by bringing me here. And I'm so excited to be here because I'm supposed to be here. And in Paul's letter to Colossus, we also see this prayer of request, which is also a big word for that is supplication, you know, which means we are to take our request to God. You know, oftentimes we want something, we, we ask everyone else, we talk about it with everyone else, but we never actually ask God for it. And it's okay to do that. 
So pray for us that God will open doors, Paul writes. So he's asking the church to pray for him for something specific. There's also a prayer of intercession, and that's really just the act of Paul asking people to pray for him. You know, pray for me, intercede with God for me. Ask God to move in my situation. That's a prayer of intercession. And so there are several types of prayer right in just this one short verse. And you know what? These prayers were answered because Paul was able to share Christ when he was in prison. He was able to share Christ with some of the guards who gave their life to Christ. And even he mentions some of Nero's own household. The people who were in his household actually came to Christ because of Paul. Because he was in prison. But you know, there are other types of prayer that even not find in this verse. There's a prayer of faith. And in this context, the prayer of faith is, you know, praying for someone who's sick. Asking God to heal them. There's a prayer of worship. And the prayer of worship is similar to the prayer of thanksgiving. The difference is, is the prayer of worship is uh, thanking God for who he is. The prayer of thanksgiving is thanking God for what he's done. They're close, but they're not quite the same. There's a prayer of consecration. You know, sometimes prayer is a time of setting ourselves apart to follow God. So we want to make ourselves holy before we do what God is asking us to do. And then the Bible also speaks about the prayer in the Spirit. And I love this prayer in the Spirit because this, this tells us we don't even have to have the words to pray. The Holy Spirit interprets our sighs and our groanings. We sometimes don't even know what to pray. And we're just, ugh. And the Holy Spirit takes that and interprets it and brings it to God for us. But here's the thing. No matter what kind of prayer you pray, and I would suggest, you know, your prayer could have a lot of these elements in it. Do it diligently. And when you combine that with fasting, it can be extremely powerful spiritually. You know, I'm going to ask you to join us in prayer, and it's going to be a corporate prayer uh, because we're going to be praying for the same things, but it's also going to be a prayer of thankfulness, gratitude, of worship, faith, and a prayer of consecration. But before we do that, I want us to all get our, our hearts right and our souls right. And over the next four weeks during this series leading up to Easter, we are going to receive the Lord's Supper or communion together every Sunday for the next four weeks. Because we want to be ready for Easter. We want to appreciate what Jesus' sacrifice actually means. You see, we need to experience it so then the world can experience it. Because if we haven't experienced it, they're going to look at us and be like, well, I don't see what the big deal is. And so we're going to receive communion together today. And, you know, before uh, Jesus uh, went to his death, he gathered his disciples together and they had a last meal together. And at that meal, he took a piece of bread and he broke that bread. He said, this represents my body, which is going to be broken for you. Now, they didn't understand what that meant, but we do now because he went to the cross and his body was broken. And then he takes the wine and he says, this is a sign of a new covenant. This is going to be the last blood that ever needs to be spilled to make humanity right with God. And he said, this, my blood is going to be spilled for you. And then he asks Christians everywhere to do this, to remember what he's done. And so I want us to do that today. So now we're going to pray together. Um, I have a prayer in your notes, uh, and it's going to be on the screen, and this is going to be a corporate prayer. We're going to pray this out loud together. Now, usually when we pray, uh, you know, we bow our heads or we get on our knees. Uh, Some people like to lie face down on the ground. And the reason we do that is it's a sign of humility. 
Remember back that every good Christian practice starts in humility. It's basically saying, God, you're God and I'm not. Uh, and so uh, we're not going to do that today, uh, but let's just all agree that we're coming before God in humility. Uh, and we're going to pray this prayer. Uh, and we're not just going to pray it today. I'm going to challenge you to take these notes home with you and pray this prayer every single day uh, between now and Easter Sunday, which is April 21st. So it's in your notes on your screen. Let's pray this together. It starts with God, we are so thankful. Are you guys ready? And go, let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you love us, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us so we could be made whole. We thank you for all you are doing in our church. You are an amazing God, and we stand in awe of you. In four weeks, we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the reason we have hope in this world. We know that it's your desire that everyone experience the forgiveness, the freedom, hope that the resurrection brings. There are so many here in Boston that do not know you. There are so many that we know and love that do not know you. We come together to ask you to draw hundreds of people to our church on Easter, that we see more people here than ever before, including the ones that we love who are now separated from you. Give us the boldness to ask them to come and see and attend Easter renewal. We ask in faith that you move in our church like never before. We thank you and we love you. Amen. There's great power in that prayer. And so, as I said before, will you pray every day with us this prayer? And with the expectation that God is actually going to answer that prayer. I mean, let me ask you, do you believe that God can answer that prayer? Do you believe that God can answer any prayer? Well, I do. Let's believe together. Let's just say, hey, you know what, I'm not even sure, but I'm going to believe in faith that God's going to answer uh, this prayer. So pray this every day. I mean, imagine the power of our church praying this prayer every single day between now and, Jesus, now and Easter. So back to your notes, and this is on the back page. Let's draw close to God. We fast and pray diligently. Next, we fast and worship intently. Fast and worship intently. You know, every time you fast, it should focus you on God. Okay, that's what worship really is. It's intense focus on God. Uh, and here's how it works. Let's say I'm fasting from coffee. You know, every time I would drink coffee, every time I see coffee, every time I want coffee, I use that time and focus it on God. You know, pray, thank God for what he's done, experience God's presence, just recognize God's presence. Every single time, if I'm fasting from food, every time I get hungry or see somebody eating or during the times I would normally eat a meal, I use that time to go to God and worship God and pray. You know, one time I was uh, fasting uh, for Easter uh, and I had to go to Costco. Let me just tell you, don't do that. Because um, not only are there free samples everywhere, uh, but there are giant portions of everything. Uh, and... It was really hard <laughs> to be there. I had to go there, but you know what? Uh, that made my fasting even more special because I had no choice but to go to God, <laughs> you know, as I'm walking past that whole smoked salmon and those, you know, rack of ribs and uh, those giant block of cheese. And I love cheese. Um, 
you know, it, it forced me to go to God. And so it made it more meaningful. But generally, I wouldn't recommend you go to a place like Costco if you're food fasting. But, you know, the idea is that not only when you fast, do you intently focus on God, but here's the thing, it, that focus on God should become a habit. You know, because most people, what happens, uh, especially in Lent, they'll give up something from Easter. Uh, they won't replace it with anything. And as soon as Easter's done, they go and, and go back doing the same thing, and nothing's changed in their life. Uh, you know, they don't feel closer to God. They don't have a new godly habit in their life. Um, they're not worshiping God in a different way. I look at our verse from Psalm 68. It says, but let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. And so do you long to be in God's presence? I mean, do you have that yearning? Here's the thing. God longs to be with you. Right? God wants to spend time with you. He wants to be with you. And you see, fasting and prayer should develop this desire to want to be with God, to be closer to God, to worship him. You know, spiritual babies do things out of obligation, right? And that brings no joy. But when you are spiritually alive, you worship God because you want to. Like you have to. Like you just, you're just so excited and you want to be in God's presence. You actively come to church and you make sure you're here on Sunday if you're in town. You, know, you go to your community group in excitement. You do the readings and you go there ready to discuss. You don't want to miss those things. You know, you're serving regularly. You're giving in a God-honoring way. You're doing these things not out of obligation because you're supposed to. You're doing it because you love to do it. Because that's how you're giving back to God. You're giving yourself over to him. You're doing it out of thankfulness and out of love, and you find great joy in that. And there's so many people who do that in our church, who serve, and are some of the most joyous people that I know when they're serving here. You see, fasting for a period of time, fasting is for a period of time, rather, but the benefit can be a lifelong benefit. You know, fasting can draw you closer to God, so you want to be in his presence. You want to use all that he's given you uh, for his glory. You want to pray. You want to read the Bible. You want to learn more about God. You want to invite others to come and see, come to church and experience Jesus. You know, you live in God's presence every single day. In other words, your whole life becomes an act of worship. You know, sometimes we just think worship is just singing here on Sundays, but that's everything we do can bring glory to God. Everything we do, we can focus on God while we're doing it. That's worship. Your whole life should be worship. So when you fast, use that time to worship intently. Experience God's presence like you've never experienced before. So fast and pray diligently. Worship intently. Then finally, fast and act obediently. Fast and act obediently. You know, as I mentioned before, fasting doesn't automatically draw you closer to God. Okay, there's nothing uh, magical about it. Listen, if fasting doesn't lead you to be more like Jesus, it's called dieting. That's all it is. And it's kind of a waste of time. You know, Isaiah was one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, and God used Isaiah to deliver a powerful message to those in Israel, rebuking them and warning them. In other words, he called out their fake worship. And the people were complaining. Look what they said, Isaiah 58, verse 3 to 4. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? You know, we've been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I tell you why, God says. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. 
Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me, God says. You know, the reality was that God's people wasn't fasting with the right heart. They only did it as an empty ritual, probably out of duty and obligation. The reality was that even on a day that they were fasting, they still exploited their workers. They still argued and quarreled. God didn't accept their fasting. Why? Because it wasn't connected with a sincere heart of obedience towards him. God's word says to treat people fairly. And they weren't doing that, yet they had this, this pious fasting. But they weren't treating people fairly. God says, I don't accept your fasting because you're not doing what I ask you to do. You see, they did the spiritual things, but they were disobedient to God. So God saw right through that pious mask, and he called them out on it. He didn't answer their prayers. Their fasting without obedient living not only didn't draw them closer to God, it actually separated them further from God. So our fasting and prayer should lead us to do the things that God has asked us to do. And you know, the truth is, these are all good things, right? Love God, love one another, serve, be generous, share your faith, help those in need. They're all good things. These are great things. God isn't asking anyone to do anything that's going to harm them or anything bad. So when you fast and you pray, be sure to be obedient to the things that you know that God wants you to do. Now, you know, we fast and there are things in our life that we're not sure yet. Maybe that's why we're fasting and praying. I don't know what to do here. I'm looking for your will, God, on a job, a move, a relationship, whatever it is. And you may be fasting and praying for clarity and direction, and that's completely okay. But here's the thing. You have to be obedient to the things that you already know God's will on. Think about it. Why would God give you more answers that you're not going to act on? Why is God going to tell you what to do if you're not going to do it? He's not going to do that. Maybe you aren't hearing from God or you feel far from God because you are being disobedient to the things you already know God has asked you to do. Maybe you are just saying you've ignored what God is asking you to do, but yet you expect something from God. But you see, God is waiting for you to act obediently on those things you already know before he's going to give you something else, something new. So if you want to be close to God, let God know that you trust him. Let God know that you trust him and do the things he's already asked you to do. So I want you to think about it. Is there something that you know you should be doing, you know that God wants you to do that you're not doing. Whatever it is, start right there. Do that thing. Be obedient to that thing. Because God's not going to reveal more until he, he knows that you trust him with that. You know, maybe you're not making attending church a priority. You know, you're just coming when it's convenient for you. Maybe you're wasting God-given gifts and talents and you're not using it to serve church and to serve the people of this city. Maybe you're robbing God by not bringing back your full tithe to the church. You know, maybe you're trying, still trying to control your time and your talent, your treasure yourself. You say, I'm, gonna, I'm controlling these things, God, not you. And God says, well, okay, then you're on your own. Go, go for it. How's that going? Listen, if you want to draw close to God, you have to fast, and you have to pray diligently, you have to worship intently, and then you have to act obediently. 
Listen, I guarantee you that there's something that every single one of us in this room knows that we should be doing, that God wants us to do, and yet we're not doing it. And yet we keep asking more and more from God. It just doesn't work that way. You know, Easter is four weeks away. Four weeks. Are you going to be ready for that? Is our church going to be ready for all that God wants to do through us? to change the attorneys of the millions of people that call the Boston area their home. You know, our church is growing. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it is. But here's the thing. God wants our church to grow even more. And so it's not God that's preventing our church from growing. You know what's preventing our church from growing? We are. It's us. Frankly, the reason God isn't sending more people to our church is because we're just not ready for them. She's not spiritually ready for them. It's because we're not bold enough. We might be too comfortable with the way things are. You know, I like it this way. I don't want to change. I don't know about you, but I would, I would feel so awful if I got to heaven and I found out there were all these people that could have been there if I was just obedient to God a little bit more. I'd feel awful. I was too afraid. I was too selfish. I was too afraid to ask them to come to church with me. I was too afraid to let them know I was a Christian. I was too afraid to give God control of my life. I was just too comfortable in, you know, my little Christian club and with my friends, and I didn't want new people coming. I don't want to interrupt that. This is too special for me. So I don't want to welcome anyone else in. Be awful if I just wasn't willing to sacrifice some of my life when I look at Jesus who gave his life for me and I'm not willing to give up a little piece of my life for others. But here's the good news. The good news is we can make sure we do everything that we possibly can in this church so that doesn't happen so that when we get to heaven there are going to be crowds of people around us and saying thank you. You might not have even known it when you smiled at me that day and you welcomed me that day or you invested in this church and I was able to get a Bible uh, because this church had enough Bibles for everybody, you know, I came to faith. That was a big part of me coming to faith. So thank you. I want you to look around. You see these empty seats? I want you to look around. There's some space over there. There's some space over there. There's actually seats in the balcony. I want you to imagine the people that you love, that you care about, that don't know Jesus yet, sitting in those seats. I want you to imagine those who are hurt and broken and lonely, who feel abandoned, who have no purpose in their life, who have no meaning in their life, who are chasing the wrong things, who are letting other people control them, letting other people define them. I want you to imagine them sitting in that seat and hearing about the hope that is found in Jesus. And hearing about that Jesus defeated death so they can be fully alive. Imagine that. Think about that. Isn't it worth to make a little bit of a sacrifice to make that happen? I think it is. This is God's dream for our church. You know, our mission statement, it's on our program, you might not have recognize it, but Boston made new, Jesus made famous, and people made whole. I mean, is that our dream too? 
Or is that just something that's typed on the back of our program? Listen, let's use this time between now and Easter. We have four weeks to get ourselves right, to get our hearts right, to be bold in inviting people to come and see what Jesus has done and is still doing. In your program, you have some Easter invites. Gave you a little rubber band and... You know what, if you don't take these and give them away and use them to invite, it goes to waste. So take them, use them to invite people to come to Easter. We're having two services on Easter, special service times at 9 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. You want to be ready for all that God is going to do. We're going to have an amazing message on unshakable faith. We're kicking off a whole new series called Unshakable Faith. And how that we can have faith no matter what is sent in our life. Whether we fail, whether people want us to tear us down, we can have that unshakable faith that God promises us. So we're going to talk about this series. You're going to hear a great message. You're going to have here's some great worship. You're going to experience some great donuts and some coffee. Use these cards to invite people. And then on the back of your connection card, you're going to notice the last next step. On the back it says, pray for and invite the following people to Easter. On Sunday, April 21st, let's start praying for people now. I know that there's six people in your life, whether it's, it could be family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, classmates, who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus. Write their names down. Write them on this card. Because you know what's going to happen is we're going to pray for these people. We're going to pray for you. Take a risk. Write those names down. Let's not waste the opportunity that God has given us. Let's not let another year go by where Easter is just another day. A big day, a fun day, a sugar-filled day. But it hasn't really made much of a difference in our life or the lives that we love. Let's all commit or recommit ourselves to this church, to making this church the best it can be. There's this phrase, full redemptive potential. God has a potential for every single church to reach people. And God has a redemptive potential for our church. And we, we haven't reached it yet. We may never reach it, but we're going to keep striving for it. So come alongside us and do that. You know, fasting, we've talked about fasting today. And prayer, and it's very powerful, and Jesus led the way for us, right? He went out into the wilderness before he began his earthly ministry to fast and pray diligently, and he came back ready to start his ministry, to act obediently on the reason that the Father sent him to this earth, to take up his mission, to be obedient to that. And so he get, came back from that fast, and look what he did next from Matthew four seventeen. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. His mission is now our mission. So let's step, step up, let's take the lead, let's make Jesus famous and Boston made new. But you know, maybe you're here and your very first step today is to trust God. If you've never trusted God, you've never put your faith in Jesus, you know, that's, that's the most important thing you can do today is to put your faith in Jesus. You can take that spiritual next step today.